Good morning. You all doing good today? We've got a bunch missing this morning. They're out looking at the world today. I'd say they're probably worshiping right now, just like we are. Uh, if I know Rellin, he's got everybody rounded up by this time. But uh, we sure hope they have a good, safe trip. We had a great retreat last weekend. If you didn't get to be with us, uh, you missed uh, a good time, a very enjoyable time. I always like the retreats we go on. I like getting together. I don't. I can't do much anymore, but I can watch, and uh, I can participate too to a certain point. But uh, I really, I really enjoy it. I like watching all the kids. They, uh, I always loved kids. I guess I always will. Now, even the forty-year-old kids. That's kind of weird. I still call them kids. Uh, I've always thought of them that way, and I. I don't know if they get mad at me or not, but a lot of times uh, I talk about them like they're children when they're not. But uh, we had a, we had a wonderful time. Hope sometime in the future, if you haven't been with us, I hope one day you get to go with us. Uh, I uh, I don't know. I enjoy. It. I love being with the church so much. We're uh, we're here to today to speak about our Lord. I want to talk about him a little bit, uh, very personal. If you ask the question, have you heard of Jesus? Uh, I think most everybody would say yes, uh, at least in our country. Most everybody has, has heard, at least heard the name. Uh, it, hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been a secret. But when you ask uh, the question, who is Jesus? I think you're going to find different responses. I can remember... Uh, at a time when I think most people would have thought they could have answered that question, uh, who is Jesus? I think most people would have been comfortable trying to answer that question. But now if you ask that question, you're going to get different answers. Uh, I didn't know that till a couple weeks ago. I was kind of surprised at a report I read. But uh, people's attitude towards Jesus, towards God, has changed uh, quite a bit. It's not like it used to be a uh, hundred years ago. Uh, Jesus made a, made a point to raise the same question. He was interested in what people thought about him. He wanted his apostles to think about that question too. What did people think? Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? What do people say about me? What do they, what do they think? In Matthew twenty two forty one. He asked, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Do you know who he is? That was a question uh, he entertained himself. Do you believe in the son of God? What do people think? Well, the answers to the question back then were varied, just like they are today. Uh, most people, I would suppose, didn't believe he was the son of God. They didn't think of Jesus like you and I probably think of Jesus. But today in our society, uh, people, their attitude towards Jesus has changed uh, a great deal. If you ask the question, do you know Jesus? Uh, most people will probably say yes. Uh, 
knowing someone is is a relative thing. For example, uh, I know Joe Biden, but I don't know Joe Biden well enough to know what his favorite meal is. I know he's the president of the United States, but I really don't know much about him. You know, we never hang out together. And I've never had him over at the house for supper. He's never let me come to his house. Uh, I know him, but I don't know him also. When you start talking about knowing someone, it's a relative term. We may know of them, but we may not know them at all. And most of the time, it really doesn't matter. But when it comes to Jesus, it does matter. Uh, knowing him is why we believe in him. The more we know him or the better we know him, the stronger our confidence in him will be. Our faith will be greater. So when you raise the question, do you know Jesus? It's a very important question. And we are to ponder uh, the answer to that question. Benjamin Fear now did a, uh, a poll, and uh, the, the title of it, I think, says it all. 52% of Americans say Jesus isn't God, but he was a great teacher. Another poll basically says the same thing. It's from the PR Newswire. A majority of Americans think Jesus is a great teacher, yet reject his claims to be God. Jesus is a great teacher, but he is not God. If he's not God, would he really be a great teacher? Or would he be a liar? I don't know how he can be a great teacher and not be God. It seems to contradict himself, if that were the case. <clears throat> Ligonier Ministries had a, a summary of the polls that I just spoke about in Newsweek in, in the year 2020. The most surprising part of the poll for many Christians was that 52% of those surveyed indicated that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. It's over half of Americans. Great teacher, but he was not God. What's more, another 12% were unsure. They didn't know if he was God or not which kicks the number up to 64% of Americans reject his claim to being de deity. That means only 37% of Americans surveyed strongly or somewhat agreed that Jesus was God. I don't know how you can somewhat agree, but apparently some people 
weren't confident in saying that Jesus was God, I guess they said there's a possibility that he's God. But what we see here is about one-third of Americans believe the claim made about Jesus. The Christian religion is slowly disappearing. When you stop and think about it, given the number of church people in our country, this means that many church people think Jesus was a great teacher, but they don't believe his claim to being God. which means he would be a liar. Many church people believe the Son of God is a liar, and that's alarming to me. This, this, this goes over into the Christian schools and everything else where these things are taught. Who is Jesus? I, I think the best way to answer that question is just to let him answer it himself. C.S. Lewis, atheist turned believer, convinced, convicted through his own studies about Jesus and the Bible and God. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. What do people say? I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing Lewis says that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg Boy, he's got away with words, doesn't he? I like to read Lewis. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's different. <clears throat> or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. And Lewis is exactly right. Either Jesus is who he claimed to be, or he's the greatest deceiver the world has ever known. Adolf Hitler was a great deceiver. But if Jesus isn't the son of God, he didn't hold a candle to Jesus of Nazareth because he's buffaloed the whole world for 2,000 years now. Can't have it both ways. And this is what disturbs me I understand that atheists do not believe. But when Christian people, those who call themselves Christian people, 
which is the majority of people who claim to have association with Jesus of Nazareth, when these people do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, something's gone very wrong in religion because it ought not be that way. We want to shore up our faith. We want to make sure we know who this man is and why we believe he is who he claimed to be. We can't do all that in one setting, but we can touch on a few things, and that's what I'd like to do. Jesus presented himself to the world as God. He did this on purpose. He did it of his own volition. He wanted us to know and believe that he was God who had come in flesh. Let's look at some of the things he said about himself. Jesus accepted worship from human beings. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 33, those who were in the boat, they watched as Jesus calmed a storm, a power that no man has. When they saw what he did, they came and they worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The only person that had power to speak to the elements and bring them under his control would be God. And when they saw him do that, they fell down and they worshipped him, believing him to be God. In another account, John 9, 38, Jesus healed a blind man, a lame man, rather. And after he did this mighty miracle, the man whom he healed, he said, Lord, I believe. And standing in the presence of this man who healed him miraculously, he needed to worship him, and he did. He worshiped Jesus right there on the spot. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 9, as the women were going to tell the disciples about the resurrected Messiah, they met Jesus, and they said, Rejoice. So they came, they held him by his feet, and they, they worshiped him as God. They paid homage to him as God. <clears throat> A number of people did. <clears throat> and he led them. We see examples in the scriptures where people wanted to worship the apostles. Cornelius, for example, he wanted to fall down before Peter and worship him. And Peter, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that. I'm just a man, just like you are. And he wouldn't let Cornelius worship him. None of God's men did. Every time someone tried to worship them, they would stop them. Yeah, a mighty work was done because I asked the Lord for it, and he did it. But that doesn't make me worthy of worship. I'm a man. The one you want to worship is God. Well, Jesus was just the opposite. People wanted to worship him, and he let them do it. 
a good man wouldn't allow human beings to worship him. If Jesus isn't God in flesh, and he allowed people to worship him, that makes him one of the lowest people of all. He's not a man worthy of worship. He's not a man worthy of our discipleship. He's not a man worthy of our time because he would be a deceiver, a cheat, a fraud. One of the greatest enemies to humanity. How's it going to be? He couldn't be a good teacher and not be God. He couldn't be our friend and not be God. Secondly, Jesus forgave sins. In the Catholic Church, men supposedly have the power to forgive sins. I used to go into a little room. They call it the confessional. I'd go into this little room and I'd tell a priest what I had done. Well, some of what I'd done, I never told him everything. But I'd tell him what I wanted him to know. And the priest would forgive me conditionally. I'd have to say so many Hail Marys or whatever it was he wanted me to do. But the thing is, and I didn't know it at the time that it wasn't true, he forgave me of my sins and made it possible for me to be right in the eyes of God. I thought it, he had that power. But actually the Bible teaches that it, only God has that kind of power. Well, Jesus forgave sins. In Luke 5, verses 20 and 21, there were some men who were carrying a fella on a pallet. And there's so many people in the house, they couldn't get him in the house. And they wanted our Lord to heal this person. Maybe it was their daddy, I don't know. But they were desperate to get him in contact with Jesus. They climbed up on the roof of the house. They tore the roof off that house. And they tied him to a rope and they let him down through the roof. And the man came down. And there he was right before Jesus. Now, Jesus seen what they did. And look at how it's written. When Jesus saw their faith, he saw their faith with his eyes. Faith is something that can be seen. It's not mysterious. It's not something that belongs only to the worshiper. Faith, biblical faith, saving faith, is so powerful that people can see your faith or they can see the absence of faith, whichever the case may be, well, Jesus saw what they did. He saw their faith. And because he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. This fellow came to be healed. And Jesus forgave his sins. I don't know how he felt. If I'd have been in his shoes, 
I think I would have been disappointed. I come for a healing, and instead I got my sins forgiven. I think I would have been disappointed, not understanding the value of having sin forgiven. And I, maybe this guy felt the same way. I don't know. But Jesus forgave his sins. Or the scribes, the Pharisees, they were sitting there. Whoa, did you hear what he said? This fellow came to be healed and he said he'd forgive his sins. And they were all shook up over that. They said, who is this who speaks blasphemies? The very idea that a man could forgive sin was blasphemy against God. It was a crime of the highest order. According to their law, they could stone Jesus to death for what he said. He assumed the role of deity, which no man's supposed to do. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I used to think the priest forgave sins. I thought they had that kind of power. Well, they did. I finally got around to reading the Bible, and when I did, I read what it says, that a man can't forgive sins. All them times I told my sins, all the Hail Marys I said, and I didn't get a single forgiveness at all. He didn't have the power. Nobody has the power. Nobody but God. Could Jesus claim to give forgive sins, cause people to rejoice, think that they're right with God and that they're going to go on to salvation? Could Jesus do that if it weren't true, and be a good man? I don't believe so either. Either he could forgive sins, or he was the devil in flesh. But he forgave sins. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he had the right to do. Jesus even claimed to be God. I've never done that. Nobody's ever called me God, though. I've never had to deny that I'm not God. But Jesus actually claimed to be God. It'd be hard to imagine someone claiming to be God. If someone said that to me, it'd shake me up all over the place. I know there are people who claim to be God. There's actually a, a man in our brotherhood well, he's probably not in our brotherhood anymore. This happened about 30 years ago. He claimed to be an apostle of the Christ. And he went a little bit longer and he claimed to be God. And he was just a preacher. Well, I thought he was a preacher. But he turned out to be a deceiver. Was Jesus a deceiver? In John chapter 8, verses 47, 57 and 8,
Jesus had talked about his association with the patriarch Abraham. And those Jews who were always standing there watching him, they said to our Lord, well, you're not even 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? Abraham lived several hundred years before this. You're not even 50. How can you claim to have seen Abraham? Everybody knew that wasn't so. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am sounds like an odd thing to say. <clears throat> but it's in the present perfect tense. And basically what he's saying is, I am the ever-present one. I am the ever-existing one. I am the eternal one. I've never had a beginning. I'll never have an end. I am. It's a, it's a, it's a designation that the Lord used of himself when he spoke with Moses, when he was drawing Moses to him to become the leader of Israel. In Exodus 3, 13 and 14, Moses was to go back and tell the Israelites that they were going to pack up and leave Egypt and go into a foreign land. Well, if he goes and tells the people that, they're going to say, well, who are you? And how can you make such a claim? There was probably... It, it, I think conservative estimates were between one and a half and two million people. And Moses is going to tell them to pack up because we're going to leave this country and go to another one. Well, Moses, he's in shock that he's being asked to do such a thing. And he speaks to Jehovah. He said, the people are going to say, to, what is his name? this person that authorized you to take Israel out of the land of Egypt. When they say, what is his name, this person who's giving you order, Moses? What will I say to them? He didn't know what God's name was. <clears throat> he didn't know who he was. What do I tell the people when they ask? And the Lord responded to Moses, I am who I am. I am the ever-present one. I have no beginning. I have no end. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. When Jesus said, I am, the Jews knew what he was talking about. They remembered this conversation between Jehovah and Moses. He was the great I am around 14, 1500 B.C. And he was still the great I am during the Lord's personal ministry. He was claiming to be God. They knew that, and they took it that way also. They wanted to kill him for it. In John 10, 33, the Jews answered Jesus saying, For a good work we do not stone you but for blasphemy. 
Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath. And these people, they wanted to kill him. And Jesus basically said, what have I done? I've only done a good work. Why do you want to kill me for a good work? They said, well, we're not wanting to kill you for a good work. We're wanting to kill you because you committed blasphemy. What did he do? It's because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. In the Jewish mind, when you claim to be the son of someone, you're claiming to be that person's equal because you are their son. And the son is equal to the father. This is the way the Jews thought. When Jesus referred to himself as the son of God, he was making himself equal with God. They called that blasphemy. And they wanted to put him to death. He was claiming equality with God. They weren't wrong, but they didn't understand that they were wrong. The Old Testament prophecy said the Messiah would be God. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, a prophecy most of us have heard a few times in our life, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These designations that would apply to Jesus when he came in the flesh clearly indicated that he was God in the flesh. That's what Bill read just a few moments ago in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus wasn't called Jesus before he was born. He wasn't referenced as the Son of God before he was born. Before he was born, he was called the Word. The Word is a, a description of a person, place, or thing. Jesus was the Word because he was the representative of God in the presence of men. We see Jesus in the Old Testament dealing with men directly. He wrestled with Jacob. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth. He's the one that sustains the world. He's the one that spoke to Moses at the burning bush. And he's the one who became flesh. John 1 verse 14. He became flesh. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. The word dwelt's an interesting term. It's a, it's a, it's a term that would be used in camping going out and pitching a tent because basically that's what the scripture teaches. Jesus became flesh and he pitched his tent among us. That would be a literal translation from Koine Greek to English. He became flesh and he pitched his tent among us. Such beautiful language. 
Jesus was God living in flesh. I'm John Mayberry living in flesh. You are you living in flesh. The flesh is temporary, short-lived, soon to be done away with, to be raised as a spiritual body one day. God lived in a body so he could die, so his blood could be shed. There was a price that had to be paid for our sin. The wages of sin, we're told, is death, Romans 6.23. All those years of offering animal sacrifice and the animals could never take away sin because an animal is lesser than a human being. And you can't offer the lesser for the greater. That just isn't right. The only way a human being could have their sins taken away is if someone greater than a human being would die in their place. And therefore, it was essential that the word become flesh and dwell among us. There's so much said about Jesus, but the thing that has always made me stagger was the fact that he was willing to put on flesh and to allow people to mistreat him and kill him torturously. Because he did not want me to perish in the devil's hell. Jesus, our beloved Lord, possesses a love for us that I, I just can't wrap my mind around. The idea that God would die for us I just, I, I can't, I can't understand. But he did. And I, I don't understand it. I do believe it. I've taken advantage of it. 
I, I beg you, from the bottom of my heart, to give these things serious consideration. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a masterpiece. You are the greatest thing on earth because God made you that way. You can't live and die for no reason. You're too wonderful. There's a reason for our being. And that is that God loves us. I don't know why. I can't answer that either. I believe he does. And I trust him. To be honest... We can't, we can't waste the opportunity we have to know our Creator, to understand Him, to taste His love for us, and experience His wonderful touch. Do not, please, do not waste your life. Do not do that. Give it consideration. Think. You're very intelligent. Think. You know there's a reason why you're here. Think. And build a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Oh, please don't waste your life. Please. If you're not a Christian, th this is why we're here. We choose life over death. We choose purpose over no purpose. We choose happiness over misery. Resolve in your heart not to sin. It's hard to do, but we, we work at it and we try to get better at it all the time. Res resolve in your heart not to sin, to walk with Jesus. And then do as well as you can do. And every time you goof up, you ask the Lord to forgive you. And you, you go back to walking again. You don't give up. And the more you try to walk with Jesus, the better at it you'll get, I promise you. 
If you don't give up on yourself, you'll get better at walking with them all the time. But don't give up. Christian, sometimes we fail for a lot of reasons. And we feel guilty about it. And it bothers us. We don't want to think about it. Sometimes because we don't want to have to give up to sin. Is it worth it? Is it really worth it? We're going to go bury out in a few minutes. His time is over, finished, done. He's got no more chances to repent. Either he was ready Wednesday or he was not. God alone knows that. Before this day's over, any one of us may bid farewell to life as we know it. There's nothing, nothing in this world that's worth your soul. One last time and I'll leave you alone. I beg you with all my heart to think about your own worth because you are so wonderful. <laughs>